Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Lee Vanderloo, who is the scientific director at Participation, as well as Dr. Mark Trombley, who's the president of Active Healthy Kids Global Alliance, as well as the Participation Report Card Chief Scientific Officer. Doctors, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for Hi, having great us. great to be here. So there was a recent report card for Canada released um, that carries the name Global Matrix 4.0. Can you describe what, what is this report card? There's two things here. Uh, there's the participation report card, which comes out every two years uh, and is a current state of the nation, if you will, as it relates to physical activity for children and youth and all things that sort of relate to that. Um, and uh, that, that's used extensively around the country by, by people to understand where we're at, to monitor where we're going, to get recommendations for improving the grade and, and making things better. The report card process is also aggregated to a global level through the Active Healthy Kids Global Alliance. And so that 
uh, resulted in the Global Matrix 4.0, the fourth time this has been done. 57 countries participating, like Canada's report card, but in 57 countries. And so that provides the opportunity for us to kind of look at the Canadian report card results in the context of the globe. And so where is Canada leading? Where is it lagging? Where can it do better? What can it learn from other jurisdictions? What can it teach other jurisdictions? So um, so it's a very exciting exercise, two different exercises that uh, cooperate with one another. And the same happens in other countries around the world to try and learn how we can power the movement to get kids moving around the world to, to optimize their healthy growth and development. And so here's the big burning question. How did Canada do? Is it, did we bring home a good report card? <laughs> do we get to celebrate? Lee? <laughs> well, yeah. So um, in terms of just Canada specific, Canada's overall grade for physical activity for children and youth was a D for this particular year, um, suggesting that the large majority of children and youth are not meeting current physical activity guidelines, which for kids over the age of five is 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity per day. Probably not surprising given that uh, this particular report card did capture the past two years, which for the most part with everyone in Canada and globally um, was during the pandemic. So probably not surprising why we did see that decrease from 2020. Uh, when we kind of zoom out and look at how we compare to the other 56 countries that were involved in the global matrix, um, we're somewhere around the bottom half for a lot of the, a number of uh, grades. Some we fared a little bit better on when we look at more of some of the more systematic um, infrastructure um, and school-related items, but when it comes to some of those core movement behaviors, we tend to be lagging behind a lot of the other countries that were involved, but does provide a great learning opportunity for what potential we do have to move and what lessons can we learn from those countries that are really earning those top grades. So so even during the pandemic, as everybody was in lockdown and, and so we get and they closed the gyms and extracurricular sports were shut down. So we, we would expect that, that that would happen. But globally, was there a difference for countries that had that were under lockdown less like we were terribly locked down here in, in Toronto? Were there other countries that opened up earlier? Did, did it show in their report cards or do we know? Yeah, it's a very tangled web, as you might imagine, uh, because different countries have different uh, research projects, different surveillance mechanisms that they use. Many of those in many countries, including Canada, uh, were shut down during the pandemic. So collecting data during the pandemic, at least in the traditional form, like Statistics Canada would with accelerometers and so on, that just stopped. So we didn't have any information. And so in those circumstances, many of the countries relied on the most current data, which was pre-pandemic. That, of course, complicated things with when trying to interpret the data, because some countries did collect some data during the pandemic, which, of course, was a very different circumstance. Um, some countries collected data during the pandemic, but used a different modality because you were no longer able to kind of go face to face to people or put on a pedometer or accelerometer to measure things. So you're doing things through parental report, which is far less reliable, it tends to inflate things. Um, and so so anyways, it, it's it's messy. The answer to your question, you know, different countries did different things. What they all did similarly is use the best available evidence. And this is meant to be a snapshot of where the world is at, 
at this point in time, based on the best available evidence. Um, and, and so Canada is a bit of an outlier in that regard that we, we had the pleasure, privilege, um, disappointment maybe of, of being able to use information only from pandemic, which of course deflated the Canadian grades probably relative to the globe. But this pattern has existed with the other global matrices, like, like Lee said, you know, in general, for the move, and there's there's 10 common indicators across the world. Five of them are behaviors. And on those behaviors, which of course is what we're really interested in, we tend to be in the lower part of the world. For the sources of influence of those behaviors, so the infrastructure, the, the investment, the strategies, those sorts of things related to school, community, government, family, and so on, we tend to be in the upper part of the world. So Canada particularly has this disconnect between what we seem to be doing and investing in and what the outcome actually is. Other countries that are doing better overall have better alignment of those things. That they're, that, you know, the things that they're putting in place are aligned with what the outcomes are being, and and so that, that that's something that we need to disentangle here in Canada. So yeah, I was looking at some of those those um, the core physical activity indicators, and you say those behaviors like you know are the kids out doing free play, doing kick the can, and and you know capture the flag? Are they enrolled in um, sports teams? Uh, how much time are they spending passively on the couch, but they're on social media, on their screens? All these different behaviors, are, it was one component and they're broken down into different types. And yet the other piece of that is, you know, does the school system allow for outdoor education? How long is the recess? Do governments provide free swim lessons? You know, the, the infrastructure. So you're saying in Canada, we seem to be good at the governmental su supporting physical activity, but it's not translating into changes in behavior. We're still low on that category. That's different yeah. than other countries. Yeah, there's a, there's a well, it's different than the countries that are, are doing better overall. You know, so uh, Finland, Denmark, Japan, Slovenia, they have high like if you take all 10 grades and average them. So the overall average for your report card, they tend to do quite well. Canada is is depressed and we're depressed because of the actual behaviors. And so there's some interaction that's happening. And Lee might have some insight on this between um, kind of having the structures there that that should make us more active and and be actually being more active. Now, one of the, the glasses half full stories that we did find in the 2022 participation report card is that while overall physical activity grade went down, as Lee said, overall sedentary behavior grade went down as we all sat inside and spent increased time on our screens instead of moving around outside and, and so on. But the grades actually went up for active play and for active transportation. So these things that um, to me are a little bit more back to the basics, the way that people used to be active in a much more organic, natural kind of way, just as a part of daily life. And as we were staying at home, people started to, after they realized it was okay to go outside, started to do that again. And of course, we had to rely on sort of play, kick the can type of examples, as you said, because the organized sport was shut down. The recreation centers were closed. Phys ed class didn't happen because we weren't going to school. So I found that rather inspiring and, and was optimistic that perhaps if when we came back to school, back to sport, back to the recreation centers, that if we could hold on to that more organic type of activity that was kind of just 
in all parts of the day and then add back our sport, add back our phys ed, add back our swimming lessons and those sorts of things, that would move us towards where we want to aim to improve the grades. I, I fear that that isn't happening, that we've gravitated right back to where we were before, but um, perhaps Lee has some insight. Yeah, no, no. It's an interesting dynamic in that leading up to the pandemic, you know, we had oftentimes been discussing or like it was postulated that, you know, at least within Canada, physical activity has really been socially engineered out of our day to day lives. The type of activities we do, our labor, um, how we get from point A to point B isn't the same as what it used to be. And so it inherently removes maybe easy or just opportunities in general to incorporate more movement throughout the day. And so when a lot of those opportunities were just removed or stopped because of the pandemic, there was really this reliance of having to kind of go back, like Mark said, to those basics and leverage those not only um, because people were bored and needed something to do, but for many instances, it was the one way that we could stay connected. It was outdoors, but we were at least able to leverage uh, socializing, for example, or at least trying to change up the routine. Other people noted that, you know, they had no free time in their schedule and now they're, they find themselves or their families in a position where they have just a little bit more autonomy over their schedule if they were working from home, for example. And so there were some kind of great stories or lessons learned that came out of there. And, you know, as Mark mentioned, hopeful that some of those trends would continue and persist, um, hoping that, you know, people rediscovered the benefits, the joys of being active, of spending time outdoors, of it being something fun, like a nice to have rather than this added chore. But as we're starting to see return into routines and stuff and how we're again going to point A to point B with the changing weather, particularly here in Canada, we start to see falling into those um, more traditional patterns that we would expect to observe at this time. So yeah, I I, want, I heard um, somewhere that one of the things about extracurricular organized sports is that you spend most of your time waiting to go on the ice, waiting for your turn at bat, waiting for the um, and that that free play. You're actually most kids are busy most of the time and, and they're they're more engaged during the time that they're involved in it, which caught my attention. Uh, and, and the other thing I heard is that Canada has the worst active transport that of all that um, will drive our kids if we if they have to go a block to a friend's house we will put them in the car if they have to go two blocks to school we're like oh god forbid the snow in Canada let me drive you we drive our kids everywhere and I know we weren't going out more but you know, just in terms of we really do um, have this belief that we got to get our kids around and we drive them to organize lessons and maybe not getting them around and not sending them to lessons is something that we need to uh, contribute to our little part of letting our kids be organically just moving their bodies in everyday ways, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Canada, for active transportation, we're sort of in the middle of the road, but there are some, so with a C minus uh, grade, which was actually the global average as well. But there are countries that are in the A range, you know, where, where it's much more habitual and, um, and, and it's not related to climate. You know, because I, I find when I'm in think tanks or talking to policymakers or even parent groups, it's like, oh, well, we can't expect kids to walk. It's too cold in the winter. It's too hot in the summer. There's black flies, there's sunshine, there's wind, there's whatever. There's <laughs> no end of reasons. And and yet our our um, our, our compatriots in, in uh, 
Scandinavian countries, which are actually further north than us, darker than us, just as cold as us, um, are among the most active in terms of active transportation in Denmark and Finland, um, that it, kids walk to school to and from, or they ski, or they, they get there some other way. So, uh, so they, you know, somehow, somewhere along the last two or three generations, I think we've become soft in that regard. Yeah, we do drive our kids everywhere because we can. Uh, hopefully, we're becoming more attentive to the, the climate impact of that, not just the physical activity impact, but it's a double win if, if you active transportatively transport yourself to work, your kids to school, uh, and so on. And um, it's also, and same with the active play, it's a more equitable solution. You know, for those that can't afford the organized sport, that don't have a vehicle that to transport their kids to think this is available anywhere there's green space, you know, and, and we need to make those more available to kids. We need more kids out there using them so that it becomes safer. The social capital builds, more people are out, so there's more eyes on the street, everything is, is, is safer, and, and kids will find things to do. The research is really clear that if you send kids outside, not for the purpose of being active, they will be active compared to being inside. And that, that, that may be stating the obvious, but you know, you if just send kids out, you know, I, I often advocate that if in doubt, send them out. And um, you know, it, it, it gets them off the screens. It gets them away from the pantry for unnecessary snacking and uh, it gets them interacting with the environment and the community they live in. So what other takeaways can we give to parents to like, because it sounds like we need to change the, the culture of our families and um, we've gotten into this this pattern or habit and we need to shift out of it. How, you know, what else can we do besides the, the the kicking them out the door? I mean, certainly in my generation, you know, you, you were expected to leave the house and not come home till the streetlights were on. That was my rule, right? Don't don't mess up the house. Go out and play outside with your friends outside. Uh, be home when the streetlights are on. And yeah, that's that's how we learned all those games and uh, in, interacted and socialized and moved our bodies for sure. Um, but how do we get parents today to be invested in care enough uh, to, to see how dangerous this is for our kids? There's this tremendous health health consequences to our kids for being inactive, is there not? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think we oftentimes go directly when we think of the negative consequences to physical inactivity or excessive sedentary behaviors, we tend to almost immediately go to the physical um, consequences. But in reality, like physical activity impacts multiple dimensions of our health. And so really starting to when we think about just the robustness that this particular behavior can impact and support um, our health from not just a phys physical or physiological perspective, but from a, a mental, cognitive, social, even environmental or economical or economic uh, benefits. Um, it really is a worthwhile investment. You know, the sooner we can start, the better. Um, but the nice thing with this particular behavior is that even single bouts can result in some positive outcomes. You know, more is always better. Um, but I would think, you know, one of the things that we can do, and this was actually the focus of our 2020 report card, was this idea of the family influence on children and youth physical activity levels and this notion of making family time active time. So it's not looking at displacing that time, that time together as a family bonding, all of that's really important, but trying to find ways that when we are spending time together that we're finding or we're leaning towards way that incorporate more movement um, and not necessarily always involving screens or sedentary behaviors. We also know 
uh, from a number of different uh, published papers and a review that was conducted by our team, um, really looking at all the different ways that parental support can help support increased behaviors. So particularly co-participation. So when parents actually engage in the activity with their children, um, but then there's other things in terms of role modeling, having positive prompts. Do they put a stake in the ground that, you know, being an active family is something that we value. Um, and then that kind of starts to trans um, gets absorbed by the kids too. And they start to also uh, really start to value that particular behavior as well. 
setting expectations around them as well, you know, like making rules around screen time or, or these sorts of things. And, and ideally co-participating because most kids really like that. And the evidence is quite clear that, that uh, the whole family gains, but, but I want to convey as well to the listeners that um, this can be and should be a whole of day approach. I think we've conditioned people like myself have conditioned people, parents to think, okay, physical activity, I've got to sign my kid up for dance lessons or swimming lessons or soccer practice or school sports or something that's fairly structured. That's going to take 45 minutes or an hour, three days a week. I've got to transport them there and these sorts of things. And getting back to our earlier discussion about it being more organic, more natural, more back to the basics, Think about it across the whole day though. So the whole day matters. And, and just think about the trade-offs about, you know, we want to decrease screen, uh, uh, recreational screen time because that's bad for them. We want to increase physical activity. And, and, and how can we do that throughout the day? And think not just about sort of the organized sport or leisure time stuff, but we've, through active transportation, we need some milk from the corner store. The corner store is 1.5 kilometers away. What a great task for a 10-year-old to go and do, you know, and, and, and bring it home and, and they can keep a quarter because they did it. You know, we think about the active play, just the incidental movement, but we need to give children license to do this. We need to allow them to go and start to build a fort in the forest or, or to go down near the stream and explore as the tadpoles turn to frogs and, and, and so on and, and, and so forth. And, and at the school, the different settings we've got for these. So I think we, we need to explode out people's vision of what the opportunity is to, to let them relax a little bit that, okay, I don't have to sign them up. We can't afford it or both, you know, we, we don't have a way to get them there on Tuesday nights. So so make it more simple. Think back to their childhood when it was more simple and how can we facilitate that just through, you know, a sidewalk chalk on the driveway or a hockey net or a bicycle or a skipping rope or a Frisbee, things like this. Uh, I have um, a friend who sort of took back ownership of a park because none of the young kids, she lived on a street with a lot of young families and nobody would send their kids to the park to play, even though they were of the age to be unsupervised. But it was, it's, she could look out her back kitchen window and see all the play equipment empty. And so she petitioned all the parents and talked to all of them and said, why don't you send your kid? Why don't you send your kid? Because no one's there because no one's there. They said, but if we all send our kids, I can watch them from the window. There's lots of eyes in the community. And, and so suddenly this became the place to go, but she had to take the parental initiative to, to get this movement going. So if you're a parent who's got a quiet street because people aren't playing, you know, street hockey after dinner or whatever, take the initiative, go, you know, go out there and get the little orange cones and the slow down kids at play signs or whatever it takes to get our kids doing just that regular community stuff. I think that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's right. such a common story, like narrative we hear all the time, like thinking about even the two of you talking about in terms of your parents sending you out and not coming back until the street lights come on. That was not the case for me growing up. It was very, you can go in the backyard because it's confined and restricted. Or if we go out, it'll all be out. Or we were just in organized programming. So they were, my parents were still ensuring they were checking the box and that we were getting our activities in. Um, but a lot of that had to do was more so around this fear of stranger danger and all of these, this bubble wrapped thing. And was really probably my generation was really the start where we started to see that 
um, real increase in that overprotective nature, but that has seen, and obviously it came from a place of wanting, you know, to protect your child, ensure they don't get hurt or anything like that. Um, but the ripple effect has just been tremendous that it has really just completely altered what children do for recreation and also how parents view that idea of imaginative play and social engagement with their environments, having this uh, appreciation or different respect for the outdoor environment because it was something that was always there um, is something that I think we've lost. We still started to see a glimmer of that with the pandemic because, you know, the outdoors have always been there, but the minute that they were kind of off limits, then we started to really like, you don't know what you have till it's gone kind of thing. Um, and so we really started to see a little bit more of that reemergence of, you know, just being outdoors and letting kids um, be kids. And I think that's something that um, would be nice to be able to maintain and hopefully still something that continues to get valued valued as much as that little tick list that they, you know, got their silver bronze at swimming or their triple A hockey. They're like, you know, they, they got it into nature. They created their own rules with their friends when they were figuring out a game, they interacted with family and built bonds. Like we, you know, there's, there's value there that we, we parents need to, to get. Is there anything else from the other global comparisons of the A of the A countries that would be like, why don't we do that here? Is there anything else we can borrow from success stories that we could really get implemented here? Yeah, so I mean, I would, I would encourage people to, to go and look at the Active Healthy Kids Global Alliance website, activehealthykids.org, uh, to get, because there's a lot of information. There's 57 country report cards. There's 570 grades. There's 10 different indicators. So so there's there's no short answer, but but to me, and 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 this has come through all four times we've done this. Um, it to me, it's a social environmental issue, um, and and in Canada, we have somehow, <clears throat> ironically, because I think globally, at least through most of my life, Canada was perceived as this northern outdoors, lots of space, you know snowing dog sleds year round, you know, kind of country. Um, and, and I think in the, it, historically we, we have been, but we are not anymore. We are an indoor country. And so just like you talked about the example of, of the neighbor who, who looked at the playground and tried to start this sort of mass action of people going out. And when they get out and there's lots of them out, they're fine. If someone hurts themselves, someone's going to come running to someone and, and, and will get help. Well, what's happened is the opposite over the last generation or two. We've cocooned increasingly inside, fewer people on the street, fewer eyes on the street, greater fear of stranger danger, greater fear of everything. West Nile virus, sunburns, like just temperature extremes and, and so on. And, and, and I know some of that's getting worse, but most of it isn't. Most of us, most of it, we always learned to cope with and kids learned to cope with. And they knew when they weren't dressed warm enough or when they weren't dressed cool enough or they didn't have the right shoes. And they would learn that by doing it. And then they'd stop making those mistakes. And so, um, so, so, I, so I, think, I think we need, to, we need to, get, um, to get back to that and we need to create the social conditions, sort of the, the, the permissions of the people on the street that are calling child services because there's a seven-year-old playing by themselves at the park and these, these sorts of things. And, and there are examples of those happening in Canada, less so in other countries around the world that are succeeding, where their social environment is such that it's normal for the kids to put on their skis and cross-country ski in the dark to school while navigating traffic if necessary, and they can do it. 
Um, and and so so to me, it's a social environmental issue that separates those that are really succeeding from those that aren't. Because clearly, we have the infrastructure. Those grades are pretty good on a global scale. Yeah, I uh, spend a lot of time teaching parents about the negative consequences of pampering or snowplow parenting or bubble wrapping or, or you know, how much we infantilize kids and how that really um, might service their fears, but it doesn't help their kids development. And then that's just another tremendous example of the cost of that parental behavior. So so thank you for that. I will link to to um, all the important places for people to find the, the, the data so that they can dig into it. And, and um, if they've got more curiosity uh, around those specifics and maybe go back and look at their countries and you know they might remember what their home country was like and the differences to Canada. Uh, is there anything that you want to uh, cover off here that I haven't asked you about that we'd be really uh, remiss if we didn't make sure parents heard today? Yeah, I think one thing, and this is usually our narrative or our main messaging, is just this idea of, you know, realizing that People like children, even parents, they have, have had different experiences when it comes to physical activity, sport and recreation. Some have had really positive experiences and some maybe less so. Um, but this idea of that it's never too late uh, to get started. Something is better than nothing and more is always better. And there really is no such thing as bad movement or bad physical activity. It, if you don't like sports, it doesn't have to be a sport. Choose some. It could be just walking the dog after school every day. It doesn't have to be super complicated. And, you know, as Mark said, it's like, how best can we make the healthy choice the easy choice? I don't think we have to have so many barriers and we want it to be more instinctual and be more that um, instant choice that we choose. And so I think looking for small ways that we can just sneak in a little bit more movement throughout the day is a really great way to start. Um, if this is a change you and your family are planning to make is that it doesn't have to be this grandiose um, step. It doesn't have to be over-prescribed, over-enrolled. And I think for something like people in Canada or North America, for sure, we wear over-prescribed schedules as like a badge of honor, lack of sleep as a badge of honor. And I think we're really starting to realize, particularly in this integrative movement behavior framework, is that that is doing us actually a disservice, not only now, but in the long run. So yeah, that would be kind of my, I guess, Parting words. <laughs> Dr. Trombley, yeah. anything else you'd like to add? Well, just to build a little bit on, on what Lee said, you know, so and, and previous report cards uh, have have articulated and promoted the, the fact that the whole day matters. This idea of integrated movement behaviors. We've we've all we've we've parceled out physical activity from sedentary behavior from sleep in the past. They're three different things. And they're not. They're like three different food groups in the in the food thing. And and they matter all together. And so for for a parent that's struggling to to increase the physical activity of their children or their own physical activity, don't 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 sweat it so much, but think about the whole day matters. And are there other interventions that can nudge you towards where you're aiming? So a better night's sleep. Keep your cell phone out of your bedroom. Go to bed at regular times, you know, and, and that's the foundation for a healthy day. If you wake up refreshed, you're more likely to do stuff the next day, even if it's housework and no sport or anything like that. Take the dog for a walk. Um, so and same with 
trying to just marginally reduce your recreational screen time, the number of TV programs, the, the number of times you're sitting for extended periods of time. So none of these are physical activity promotion, but they're, they're ways that you can nudge yourself because they're going to free up time or make you feel better, more likely to be inclined to. Then when you do it, you feel a little bit better. You know, like it's just this nudging, but, but you can't disentangle the behaviors. If you stayed up all night, uh, and and are really draggy in the morning, you're going to withdraw from physical activity. So so you can't sort of say they're they're separate things. They aren't. They're one and the same. And so the whole day matters. And think about just little micro interventions that you can do to try and nudge in the right direction. These are the trade offs. You know, more of this, less of that. Just like you know, candy or Brussels sprouts. You know, I like candy more, but Brussels sprouts are better for me. You know, and and, and <laughs> yeah, those had to are... put it up against Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, carrots, something else. <laughs> I like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I do too. Oh, I do too. No. <laughs> so thank you both so much for the important work that you're doing um, and for spending the time today to bring some of these insights to Canadian parents. I think we've opened some eyes. We've given some good practical tips for changes they can make in their family. Um, and so I just want you to know you've sent me a bunch of links uh, to how people can follow participation, the Alliance, get the details that I will put all of those in the show notes so parents can continue this um, virtually in their own time. But thank you very much today for all the great work you do and spending time with me today. Thanks so much, Allison. Thank you, Allison. Appreciate the opportunity to come on. Great. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. No problem. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'll see you at the next report card. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.